today is a story of participation. Um, here's the cover of Time Magazine, uh, April 8, 1966. And it was actually Good Friday. And the question was, is God dead? Church attendance peaked in the 1950s, and it was a shift. Time and culture was changing. Uh, three years before this, 1963, the Supreme Court ruled uh, that reciting the Lord's Prayer uh, in a public schoolroom uh, was unconstitutional. And a few months after this magazine came out, John Lennon came out and said that the Beatles are now more famous than Jesus. Massive cultural shift in that time. And of course we know it wasn't the end of God, right? But it signaled a change of how people thought about God. It signaled a change to how people think about Jesus and their religious upbringing. And from then till now, I can't cover all the history today, I don't think, but um, moral majority, church growth movement, the shift of the, the centrum of Christianity from the global north to the global south, and a deepening of this hyper-individualism. And even now, 2021, it feels like we're living in the midst of a seismic cultural shift, one dominated by a pandemic, the internet, consumer capitalism, the individual working from home, endless choices, recurring political tension, and it's no wonder that our age has been dawned the age of anxiety. And so we live in a time of complexity, and our world's complexity has sort of seeped into the spiritual life, the spiritual walk that we have. Uh, one English writer wrote, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. <laughs> and I think this in some ways just encapsulates so much of the tension of our time, right? This tension that we feel on, on one hand, we, we feel this tension, we struggle to believe. And maybe we wouldn't go as far to say, I don't believe in God. Maybe it would just be that I have doubts, that I have tensions within me, that there, there are things that I'm personally wrestling with. But... We know we're haunted too, right? The, the last phrase, I miss him. There's something in us that's just longing, trying to get filled up, trying to grasp for meaning and purpose from work, from school, from our relationships, from our leisure activity. But the problem is, is we feel that tension, that longing inside of us because by and large, we're detached from a story. We're detached from a story that roots us and gives us meaning and purpose. And in many ways, I, I, I don't know who said it when we were uh, singing before, but in, in many ways, we're, that, that's what we're doing here in this place is we're becoming a part of a story. We're rehearsing a story of grace, of good news. I don't believe in God, but I miss Him. And so, for us, um, this is what today is about in so many ways, right? This is one of the things I love about New York City is when you're, when you're walking on the street, you're walking with people from all over the world, right? Stories so unsimilar to yours, and you're drawn in telling your own story, but we come and gather today to tell a unified story. And the fact is, is we need a better story. Ivan Illich is a priest and a philosopher, and he says, neither revolution nor reformation can ultimately change a society. Rather, you must tell a new, powerful tale, one so persuasive that it sweeps away the old myths and becomes the preferred story, one so inclusive that it gathers all the bits of our past and our present into a coherent whole, one that even shines some light. If you want to change the society, then you have to tell an alternative story. So that's it.
That's the, the invitation. That's what we want to do today. And uh, that's also my way of welcoming you here today. We want to tell a story. So welcome to Reunion. We're really glad that you're here today. And we're coming from all different places, from all different backgrounds to tell a unified story. That's part of who we are. Uh, if you're watching online, I know some people are watching online. We're glad that you are here too. Uh, my name is Russell. I'm the pastor here at Reunion. And we've been anticipating this day for a long time. Um, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows. There's been a lot of disappointments. There's been a lot of up and downs. Um, but we're here and we're gathered. And we want to be a community that is following Jesus and seeking the good of our city. That's why you're hearing things that we want to do um, that are engaged in the neighborhood. We want to be a part of that. And one of the things I love about our, our trajectory so far as a church is before we ever had a gathering space, um, we, we gathered. Uh, over Zoom about 10,000 times. I never want to see a face on Zoom <laughs> again. Before we ever had a physical gathering, um, our, our small core team was listening, was walking around the neighborhood, giving generously time and money. Before we had a physical gathering, um, we had partners that we were working with in the community to do hunger prevention, um, to, to learn more about reintegration, post-incarceration. So now in so many ways, uh, this is a very, um, non-traditional pathway, um, but there is some good in that. And so, um, wherever you're at today in your spiritual journey, we're glad that you're here. Um, we're going to be uh, looking through uh, this passage of scripture that Katie read before, but before I do that, let me pray as we get into this. So God, I love you so much, and we've, been, we've already been singing uh, to you, singing about you, and the truth is, is we... We come into this place, and there's a lot of uh, stirring, there's a lot of wrestling in our mind about, are we welcome? Is there gonna be something for me there? Um, am I gonna meet someone? Um, and I just pray, God, that um, the answer to all those questions would be yes. Affirm the yes, that you could meet us here, and that we would find out that you have the best news for us in your son, Jesus. And so show us how the, the stories that we're telling with our life are interwoven to the story that you're telling through your son, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. So Mark 1, chapter 1, this is the, this, these 12 words contain more information and more invitation than you could have ever imagined. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Eugene Peterson calls uh, Mark's gospel the basic text for Christian spirituality. And this is what we're going to be doing here on Sunday mornings, is really walking through, marching through uh, Mark's gospel. Uh, I don't know how long, I don't know, 35, 40 weeks, something like that. I know that's something daunting. Is that daunting? You're like, oh my gosh, what are you doing, man? Um, well, here, here's what we're doing is... Um, we live in a time of complexity, like I shared, and we need to recapture a vision for the person of Jesus. That, and that's why it's just going to take so long, because we have to root ourselves right there. Maybe we'll pause. We're going to pause for the liturgical calendar, Advent, maybe some Lent, but, you know, Easter. We're not going to be tone deaf in that way. Um, but I think what needs to happen is we, if we're going to join that story like we talked about, we have to spend time rolling around with that person. And, uh, you know, um, it's, it's sort of like this, actually. Um, in Mark's Gospel, in the first chapter, if you were to open it up, it, the writer Mark, in, uh, in the first chapter, he says the word immediately, nine times. It's, it's the, the pace is just breathtaking. You're like, what is taking place? Why is everything so fast? 
Uh, immediately they left their nets. Immediately Jesus called them. Immediately, immediately the leprosy left them. The pace is just relentless. And so what I want us to do is I want us to gaze at the super fast, super slowly. It's like, um, it's like watching um, Usain Bolt or Shikari Richardson run the 100 meter at the Olympics. It's so fast. The, the race is 10 seconds, 11 seconds. And then what does the, what does the broadcast uh, continue to do after that? Show you replay after replay after replay. Why? Because we're seeing the technique. We're seeing how they get off the block. Uh, we're seeing who finishes first, right? It's kind of important to see who won if it's, if it's neck and neck. And so that's exactly what I want us to do. If what we're seeing is compelling and it's happening so fast, then maybe our work is to slow down, to engage with it, to ask the questions, to say, what is Jesus doing here? How is he spending his time? Why does he react that way? And not to blaze over it, but to really push in. And so let me tell you a little bit about Mark. I don't want to be long here, but most scholars attribute um, Mark's gospel to a man named John Mark. Um, and really what you're looking at when you're reading um, the gospel of Mark is uh, ancient biography. And so this is uh, capturing the actual words and actions of Jesus. Um, scholars pretty much agree that Mark's gospel is the first gospel um, written. And one of the things, maybe if you've been in church a long time and you may have not known this, but the early church fathers believed that Mark, John Mark, was actually a secretary and a translator for Peter. And so they were following, uh, he was following around Peter, and Peter is retelling this story. And what we have then through Mark is an eyewitness account that has been recorded by one individual. And uh, the, one of the things I love about the book of Mark is you're not getting a lot of uh, sort of didactic teaching. You're not getting like uh, a lot of Jesus telling you things. But what you're getting is Jesus showing you things. On, he's on the go. He's healing the sick. He's leading his disciples. He's feeding the hungry. So we're getting a picture of the action-oriented nature of Jesus. And so here's how the story opens. Mark 1.1. 1, 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Mark's gospel just like explodes in your face with like a splash of cold water or like caffeine in the morning when it kicks in. Um, and, and this is on purpose. He, he, uh, he's trying to catch the original reader's attention. The word is arche, uh, which means beginning. And the earliest readers would have actually uh, thought of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. He's opening in a legendary way. He's saying, boom, history is here, and what has happened in the past is being continued now, which is in some ways why I thought this was the perfect text for today, right? We're, we're, there's, there's been churches throughout history, right? And we, we want to join those churches to tell people about Jesus, but... We're, we're a mark, we're a dot in the story that Jesus is telling. It just explodes onto the scene. Uh, the first movie I ever saw in the theaters was uh, The Lion King. Did, was that anybody else's first movie? <laughs> yes! I'm not alone. That's amazing. Okay, so the Disney part ends, right? Alejandro, you, you're going to get this with me. So the Disney part ends, you know, the, the thing comes over and the castle fades, it goes dark. Do you know what happens? Does anybody remember? The sun starts to rise, right? And then you hear, ah! <laughs> I did not practice that. I swear, I swear I did not practice that. What's happening? Something legendary is happening. It sparks onto the scene. And you and I don't really see that. It's just like the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You're just like, okay, you know, it's great. 
That's not what the original reader is hearing. The original reader is hearing bursts into space, and they're just, their mind is blown at what is happening. And this is the point. History is changing. History is changing because of the person of Jesus. A new beginning is possible because of Jesus. And the writer is purposefully building a bridge here from the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's why in verse 2 it says this. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. You and I read that again, we're like, okay, like just stuff that's been predicted that, you know, you're claiming that is fulfilled. We missed the point. The gospel story of Jesus is the completion or the continuation of the story of Israel. And so uh, the last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. Malachi 3.1 says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. There's one more chapter, silence. What happens? It's the intertestamental period, right? Uh, sometimes people call it the silence of God. 400 years of no written literature contained in the Bible. There was some things written, but in our Bible it's not contained. Why? 400 years of silence. God, God doesn't speak. And you and I might not understand all the Old Testament backgrounds and the fulfillments and all the prophecies, but you know what we do understand? We do understand the silence of God. We, we feel that. That's a tension that we have. You and I have had those moments in your life where, where in our lives where we say, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, nothing. <laughs> right? And it, 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 makes us, it makes us question God, right? It makes us stop and say, God, if you're real and you care about me, why have you not answered this prayer? And this is when you and I are prone um, to, to think and give up, to say, things are always going to be this way. It's just the way that it is. But here, this word, this little phrase, I know it's crazy at the beginning, God speaks a word of hope. He says, things are different now because of Jesus. Change is possible. God still speaks. God in the flesh sends a message then, he sends it now. History is not closed. History is not a closed system of intrinsic cause and effect, but actually history is open. The future is open to God's intervention. He spoke through his son, and he still speaks today, which is why I said today is a story of participation. Mark 1 is drawing us in slowly, and it's saying, come and join the story that's being told. Amen. And so... Join the story. Live into the story, right? This is what we're, we're kind of uh, being drawn into. And it, it, it'll flush out here. But think about your life when you came in here, right? You and I are the amalgamation of our hopes, our dreams, our fears, uh, the things that have happened to us, the futures that we are planning for. These things begin uh, to make up uh, an identity to, to who we are. It's the, it's the way that our brains functions. It's the way that we think about who we are. And, and unknowingly, we're constantly ruminating over these things about who we are. We're asking questions, and, and our formulation is, um, we're, we're formulating an identity. That's what it is. That's, that's what we're becoming, right? Well, how do we, how is that shaped? Or how do we learn? How do we unlearn, right? How, how is it that these things take place in our life. And that's what Mark 1 is actually doing slowly but surely. It's drawing you in and saying, you know, this, this story that's being told, this, this big grand story, your story fits inside it, right? It's not about you, but it is for you. You're being wrapped up into this story. 
Why is this important? Let's get a little bit practical here. How do we learn? Um, this is, this research was, uh, I was looking at some research done about how um, we learn. And so what, what happens here is uh, the amount of information we remember or retain. And that's in the verbal category. And as it grows, it's verbal, visual, and then action. And so how much do we remember when we read? There, it's said at around 10%. <laughs> He's rounding up and down here. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, hear words, 20%. View pictures, 30%. Watching movie, moving pictures, 40%. Teach, uh, watching a demonstration, 50%. Teaching the activity, 70%. Simulating the activity, 90%. But when we participate in the activity, what do we remember? 100%. How'd you like your pilot that read a ton of books about landing a plane? <laughs> How'd you like a surgeon? Who does? Uh, who's watched some demonstrations on a heart transplant, right? How much are we remembering and retaining? And here's my point. The Christian faith is one lived in story and participation. We, we come up underneath this story. Faith in Christ is participation with Christ. And that's where we change. Um, I'll never forget um, my first drug bust. I, uh, it's, it's a true story. It's really a true story. And my dad is a police officer, and uh, for a number of years, he was an undercover DEA agent. It was pretty cool, but obviously, I never went to work with him. Like, I, I would not be allowed to do that. I just knew that when he came home, um, he had this terrible mullet. He dressed like he was this balding Filipino Kurt Cobain. Um, he had these big, grungy sweaters. It was the mid-90s. And... I don't know if this was legal, but um, my dad and I were running some errands, and uh, he, cops do this all the time, they listen to the radio when they're just off duty, and so he gets a call on the radio that there was some drug activity in a nearby hotel, and you know, my dad, just being you know, extra, he jumps on the radio, and he says something like, Russ Raider here, like, I'm off duty, but I'm two minutes out, request backup, and I'm like, I'm going with him, honestly. <laughs> And so we pull up to the hotel. We're like supposed to be going out of town. We pull up to the hotel and he gets out of the car and he looks at me and he says, sit here, do nothing. Do nothing and when I come out of the hotel, don't look at me. And I didn't understand until later, I was like, why? And so he goes in and just a few minutes later, he comes out with a man in cuffs. He doesn't look at me, the officer pulls up, puts him in the back of the car, and he comes over, this is no joke, he comes over, my dad, he's got gloves on, and he's coming, he's like, I need that baggie, and he just dumps, like, all these uh, little, like, um, they're water balloons, but they're filled with cocaine, and he just, like, dumps them on the seat, and he's like, we got a bag, I'm like, I, we? Like, we got a bag, what are you talking about? It was crazy, my first drug bust in fifth grade, right? It was amazing. Participation is how we learn, okay? Participation is how we learn. I heard stories about uh, what my dad's work was like, but experiencing it was totally different. I, that the tension inside of me as a fifth grader, um, you know, uh, the emotional intensity, entering my dad's world and in a way participating is totally different. The feelings, the emotions. You can grasp things by reading, by hearing, but to really remember, to really grasp things, and to really be shaped by something, we have to participate in the story. And so, 
What else? History is broken open because of the beginning. But what about content? Content matters, right? If you if you read the first, uh, which I've, I'm sure some of us are guilty of reading the first, you know, chapter of the book, right? You're like, oh, the, the, the beginning was good, but what's the content, right? What's the meat of what's happening here? Mark chapter one, verse one. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, this might sound um, kind of stupid, um, but that's okay. I'm, I'm not afraid to be stupid here. What is Christianity? What is Christianity? If we're participating in the story, what is the content? What's the thing that really um, makes it hold weight, right? And Mark 1 says the beginning of the gospel. It's, it's saying the gospel is the content. And so we, we probably should ask the question then, what's the gospel? And um, the background is helpful in understanding this phrase. Um, the, the, in the Greek, the word is eongelion, and it translates uh, good news. It combines two words, angelos, which is um, like the announcement of a good news. That's what an angel does. But then there's a prefix. It's eu. It's joyful. It means news that brings joy. And so Mark has uh, a handful of audience when he writes, but one of his audience would have been um, the Roman Empire, Rome. And um, when, when Mark announces this idea of gospel, he's drawing in, he, he's, he's already drawn in his Jewish audience by, by opening up and saying the beginning, now he's drawing in Rome. And how is he doing that? Well, there was a term in Rome connected to um, pagan festivals, um, the an announcement of the emperor. And so there's an inscription, an early inscription of Octavian, which is Caesar Augustus. And it says, the birthday of the god was for the world the beginning of joyful tidings, gospel. It was an announcement of the Roman Empire. It was a way of captivating Rome. And so good news. Right? Is, is this gospel word. Is that what we think of um, modern day, even for some of us who believe this? That, is that what we think of when we think of Christianity? Good news? I guess, is that the, maybe the first thing that pops into our mind? Or even we would say that's the, that's the primary content of what it means to be a Christian, this, this good news. I think most of the time when we're talking about Christianity, we aren't talking in terms of gospel. I'm just going to be honest. We're not, we're not actually talking about the content. Um, for many of us, our mistake in following Jesus is actually um, slowly but surely becomes a system of behavior modification. Where, um, where we're really turning into anxious moralists. Where, where we're always you know, doubting ourselves. We're always saying, I just, I just can't. I can't do this right. I keep messing up. Or some of us would say, well, actually, I'm pretty decent at keeping the rules. But then what do we find ourselves when, when we're rule keeping? No one wants to be around us. And so this sort of way of, of thinking about Christianity as behavior modification is sort of our, the default mode of the human heart. Christianity, for some of us, has turned into uh, a grading system for our behavior. And frankly, some of us are getting a C, right? But the other way that I think we, we take Christianity to mean something else is we just sort of say, wow, this is compelling. This is good. I'm going to add Jesus to, to the, the story that I'm already telling of my life. Right? He can just be a good addition to the other things that I'm already doing. But the sad part is, is um, that would be missing the gospel completely. Because God is saying... I'm telling a story through my son Jesus, and your story, yet yeah, can join up under mine, 
but it cannot be the predominant story because if it is, it ceases to be my story. So the story is fundamentally about Jesus or it's fundamentally about us. But it, but it can't be both. And that's not the, the biblical vision for, for following Jesus. And so what then is the content? The gospel then is news, right? It's good news. News is kind of a funny word in our day and age because um, we have news, but a lot of it is just propaganda. And so even, even right now, we're reframing what the idea of, of news is. I really think this is happening. But, but what's, what's being said here is actually um, uh, on the other side of advice is, is news. And what, what the claim here is, is that the gospel is historic. We're talking about something that has actually been done in history. Uh, one of my favorite um, preachers, uh, my wife hates when I listen to this guy. His name is Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, and these sermons have been, like, the audio is so terrible. It's like 60s, 70s. Uh, but he, he talks about um, the Christian message and what it is. And he's, I love this. He says, the Christian message is facts. It's facts. He says, this is not philosophy, this is not teaching, this is not ethical, moral, moral ideals. That is an utter denial of the gospel. The essence of the gospel is that it's facts. And I think this is really, really important. If, if, if you're thinking about following Jesus, if you are following Jesus, what are you doing? You're saying something factual about history. This is what 1 Corinthians Paul uh, captures in verse 3. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what you received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. It's news. It's news about what has happened and you can't do anything about it. It's been done for you and you rest in it. That is the work. And this is where we get it wrong, right? The, the behavior modification, the adding Jesus to um, our already busy lives. It's not advice. Advice um, is a sort of counsel we see. And in fact, some of us may have shown up. It's a, it's a, maybe a danger in us gathering today is that we come and we say, oh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I want to hear some good advice for me. I need good techniques. I need a better way to live. I need uh, a support system. That's not it. We, we would miss it. We'd be wasting our time. There's way too much good brunch around here to be wasting our time. <laughs> Not talking about things that are factual. So, the content. What is the gospel? And here's, here, here's the, the, the simple way that I like to say it. It's unconditional love to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. Unconditional love to an undeserving person by an unobligated giver. And I don't know where you're coming from today, but that may, that may be like the thing that you need to hear. Is that that offer is available the offer to, to believe that there's unconditional love to you, an undeserving person, right? I don't have to, I don't have to convince you of that. You're, you, you, you're already stirring. You're, you know that your life is a mess, right? I don't have to tell you that. I'm, I'm there too. And it's given by an unobligated giver. But Christianity never starts with the great things that we do for God. I'm, I'm telling myself that. Like, I'm excited about what we're doing. It's amazing. I want to draw into participation with what God is going to do through our church. But it never begins with what we do for God. It starts with what God has done for us through His Son. And, and we're, we're drawn into that. So here's the last thing. 
it's not just the content, right? It's not just the origins, but it's also the central character. And so Mark 1.1 says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so the story that we're being drawn into is one where we're not the center, we're not the star, we're not the hero. Um, a friend of mine and I were talking the other day about um, walking around New York City with headphones on. It's like one of my favorite things to do. I got the you know audio out. You can you can drown everyone out, and you can just play your song, and you can be the star, just walking around the city. <laughs> don't even lie. Like you all do it. Um, don't judge me for it. And so you you just you just feel the buzz around you. You're drowning everything out. You're walking around, and like you're the star of the show. And that's this is this is it. It's not it, right? You're invited into a story, uh, subsumed into something outside of yourself. Even in the passage, John the Baptist is quite funny. He's baptizing people. Crowds are, are coming, but he knows who he is in comparison to Jesus. You get to verse 7, he says, and John the Baptist preached, saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. John's like, I know who I am, and I know who he is. I, I don't have it. I don't have it. But I think that's what's so important about us uh, joining into the story, participating with the story is while the story is not about us, we do find that it is for us, that we're learning about who we are, that we're, our identities are being shaped. We're moving away from a, a, a false center where we're saying, what do, what do other people think about me? And it's like, no one was thinking about you. They were thinking about themselves too. Right? We're, we're being drawn out of the false self into the true self where you are, one, deeply loved and secured by God so you don't have to worry about what other people think about you. Right? Where, you know, we're um, seeking happiness in detachment. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. You want to be your true self. Seek your happiness by attaching to me. Where um, our false self is saying, look at my achievements. Look at the things that I've done. Jesus is like, it's already been done for you. You don't have to prove yourself. And, you know, a lot of us, we struggle to, um, to think about the ways that we maintain effort and control, right? We're, we're clamoring for, for effort and control and position, and um, the truth is, is we're completely maintained by grace. And that's what happens when we find out who the center of the story is, this person, Jesus. And John is saying when you meet the real Jesus, you actually find out more than you could have ever imagined. You find out about who you are, too. And so Jesus is the central character. Jesus is the central subject of the story. He's the one in the gospel being questioned. Jesus is the one being reacted to. I love one scholar wrote, if Jesus had never lived, we would never have been able to invent him, right? The more I study him, it's, it's, it gets more and more difficult to pigeonhole who he is. He's the most dominant figure in human history. He's divided time uh, before death and or after, uh, before Christ and after Christ. He listened. He met criticism with questions. He met disease with healing. He met skeptics with care and listening and direct question. He was generous and truthful. Jesus met Pharisees with righteous anger. He brought down oppressive systems. Jesus loved children. He cared for the poor. He healed the physically sick. He released the captives. He welcomed the stranger. He told us to learn from the other. He fed the hungry. He cared for the least of these. He met death with life. And he claimed to be God in the flesh. And I believe, this is just me, the pastor guy saying this, but I believe that no one who meets Jesus ever stays the same. 
And this is why we're going through Mark's gospel, because I, I need this. It's too chaotic out there. There's too much swirling around. There's too many ideas. I need a full and realized vision of the person of Jesus, because I believe that would change everything about me, the ways that I interact with people. And I want my story to get sucked up in the story that Jesus is telling. And so... This is what we're going to interact with over the coming weeks. I hope, uh, I hope you'll join us. But here, here's what it looks like. Did I say coming weeks? I meant months. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> here's, what he, here's what we're going to interact with. We're going to find out things about ourselves, right? Doubt, humility, revenge, making plans. Mm. We're going to learn about our emotional health. In the Gospel of Mark, we have an emotional Jesus, and we're going to learn about that. We're going to learn about spiritual practices and disciplines, prayer, fasting, silence, stillness, um, we're going to get to Jesus and social issues, racism, femininity, prejudice. We're going to hit theological themes, uh, the meaning of the cross, baptism, the Trinity, the Trinity next week, um, forgiveness, the resurrection. We're going to talk about the paradoxical nature of Jesus, how he forgives the unforgivable, accepts the unacceptable, how, he, how and why he can break the Jewish law. Um, and really what we find as we track with this is it's a story of participation. And here's how Jesus did it. He does it over and over and over again in this gospel. The stories, sometimes, I'm going to be honest, they don't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Jesus just stops. The story just ends. In Mark chapter 8, he asks this question. Who do you say that I am? And it's just a way of prompting. Right, right. It just stops after that. It's like, what, what's going on? Who do you say that I am? That's it. It's, it's, it's over. It leaves us hanging over and over and over again. In fact, there's an, there's an addendum at the end of the book. Part of the, the last chapter is added because the, the, um, the editors, it wouldn't suffice them. It just stopped. And so, what does it mean? It means we're invited into the story. Christianity is not about believing stuff. Let me say this again. Christianity is not about believing stuff. Christianity is about being attached to Christ, to being with Jesus, to doing the things that Jesus did, and to be transformed by him through that participation. And so, this is how we participate in the story. Um, at your seats, there is uh, a cup. Let me interrupt myself too, um, before we take this. There are, um, there are some journals in the back, um, and they're actually uh, the scriptures it's the Gospel of Mark. On one side of the paper is the text. On the other side of the paper uh, is just empty lines. It's a journal. And uh, those are for you. Anybody that wants to take one can take one as we journey through Mark's Gospel. Um, we're going to be taking notes along the way. Uh, if you want to join us for community group, we're going to be um, studying through the book of Mark. And um, one of the things that we're going to be doing in there is not studying the previous week's um, passage, um, but the, the upcoming weeks. And it's, it's a way to kind of create a clean slate so we're not reiterating the things that have already been said. Um, but I would love for you to take those completely free. You can just take them. But um, this, this little cup, sorry, it's like COVID times, but this is a way of participation. This is a tangible reminder of what God has done in His Son, Jesus. And um, if, if you don't want to take it today or you're not ready or you have more questions, I'll be available after to talk to you about it. Please feel uh, no obligation. But this is a way um, to remember. It's a, it's a meal that Jesus instituted 2,000 years ago um, about what he's done. And communion is a gift. 
It's truly a gift. It engages our senses in a way to say, you can participate with me. You can actually come into my story today through these elements. And so hold them there. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll just read the, the scripture from, from Paul. And we can actually partake of this together today as a community, um, a reunion of sorts, right? Um, that we get to partake in together. So let's pray. Um, would be joined up under the story that you are telling.